0: Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollock. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P.
1: We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers.
0: Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships.
1: We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving.
0: Welcome back to the Plan P podcast. We're so grateful to be here this week and super grateful that you're listening and being willing to learn new practices as you do the hard work of parenting. So as you
1: listeners might imagine, when we were living and struggling and falling and getting up through our children's teen years, everyone in the family was having a whole lot of feelings. And what brought us to this work that we're doing now is we weren't so good at talking about those feelings. Oh, we expressed them plenty. Yeah. But those were feelings of anger and frustration a lot, a lot, a lot. Not real productive conversations. And we sort of had them on endless repeat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe it. Yep. So, you know, now because of all of that experience, we talked to parents about, how to communicate feelings. And we gratefully learned how to do that while our youngest was away, learning how to do it himself.
1: Yeah. And now we get to have ongoing conversations
0: with, with both those of kids. Them. And we get to talk to parents all about feelings. Feelings are a tough one because – most people, I think I'm, I am among these people. I don't, I assume it's most cause I'm among them have some <laughs> trouble identifying their feelings. And then knowing how to talk about them on top of that is, is a heavy lift. Yeah. It's a real heavy lift understanding. I think
1: a lot of it for me now boils down to what are feelings, like just sort of that idea that I can understand that there is a whole range out there Mm. and also what aren't feelings if i feel like i want to kill you that's not actually a feeling and for the record i don't actually want to kill you right (laughs) now well (laughs) today's a good day then (laughs) well the funny thing about that is i really don't want you dead
0: right (laughs) which doesn't mean you don't always want to kill me exactly
1: but what's the feeling right and one of the things that comes to my mind is I used to think it was like, happy, sad, mad. Right. Right. Those that, basic, that's it,
0: right? Right. No, I remember being told that there were only seven real feelings and that all the rest were subtleties on those. You don't happen to remember what those seven No, are I don't. Notes. And it might have been five. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't really remember. I just remember thinking, oh, they're really, it's not as complicated as I make it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. The other thing about feelings is, so there's happy, mad, sad, and endless amounts of emojis of all of those, right? right? There's happy, there's happier, there's happiest. Feelings are complicated to figure out. Yes. So I think working with ourselves in the Mm -hmm. beginning and with other parents in this work, identifying the feelings takes real time because my feelings are mine. They're personal. Like, I sort of had a top card feeling. Mm-hmm. It
0: was mm-hmm. always good.
1: I was always happy. Like, that was the way I wanted the world to perceive me. Right. And that was before Instagram. Right. <laughs> Did I feel happy? Or was I presenting as happy? Right. Was that the safe feeling to have? Because anger, first time someone said to me, you know, how do you feel? in text. And I was like, why isn't there an emoji for anger? Which she responded with the emoji for anger, (laughs) (laughs) which was at that time when there were only like 10 emojis, it was a red face with smoke coming out of its ears, which is extreme anger. And Oh no, no, I don't have that. But the other thing is I didn't recognize anger even when it was one of 10 emojis. Like I literally had such a disconnect from that feeling which I would say was anger. Right. I was mad at someone about something, but feelings are complicated and multi-layered.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've heard it said recently that um, feelings are signs, signs, signs. Yeah. They give you information hmm. basically, which hmm. I think is true. Like they, they do give you information. I get angry when someone crosses my boundary or does something that feels hurtful. My, my response to that generally is anger. So I can tell when someone has done something to hurt me because of my response doesn't mean I have to act out of that response, but I get information because I'm having a feeling. Right. And that gets back to the personal feelings are personal
1: because Somebody
0: could do that same thing to me. And it
1: literally wouldn't, it's not my denial. It's not my put on a happy face. They're not right or wrong.
0: Right. A boundary crossing might, you know, make somebody sad or angry or any number of ways. I mean, so some of this is figuring out what their signs for, for you. Right. Because it is a personal thing. And if you
1: can't identify the feeling, Mm -hmm. you're sort of missing the signpost. Right part of the thing that is important to understand about feelings is there's no right or wrong. I mean, have you ever had someone say
0: to you, Oh, you don't feel that way. Um, I don't think I actually have had that. I, I know that people talk about having that a lot. So I know that that's a thing that happens when well, they tell it to you in a myriad of ways, I think probably. Yeah. I I was told to channel my feelings constructively, which wasn't that helpful either, just for the record. How do you constructively? Well, my mother was trying to get me to not beat up my younger sister. So, you know, I threw balls down a hallway and got energy out. It, right. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it, it also didn't make me less angry at my sister because it didn't deal with what I perceived she was doing to me. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. People aren't
1: always comfortable with other people's feelings, which is why they tell you to do it constructively. That was disrupting her day that you were having feelings. Right. Right. Yeah. And why some people will say to other people, oh, you know, you don't really feel that way. Like, I hate my mother. Right. Or, you don't really feel that way. Now, in that moment, maybe that child feels that way. Maybe that's actually there and is real. And if we don't allow it, it just stays there inside them. Right. So this understanding feelings and what feelings are and that my feelings and your feelings may not align and that trying to make you feel better. Yeah, never works. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, but people do it all the time. I mean, you and I speak, not all the time, but about grief. Mm. And you often say that people would come up to you after your mother died.
0: Yeah, there was... One person in particular who this happened with, and then after that happened, it felt like everybody who said it, I could feel the same thing, which is she came up to me and she said she was so sorry, but it was said in this way that it was, I felt compelled to take care of her rather than an opportunity for me to speak about my feeling around it. Or I I was a kid and adults are really not good at talking to kids about Loss of a parent. I mean, well, you were an adolescent. I was. I was sixteen. I felt all grown up, and I was trying to be mature about it. But, but adults really didn't know how to approach me. The adults that would come up and say they were sorry. Sometimes it it really felt like I had to come up with something to say, like it was expected or you know like some way of making them feel a little bit better about it when what I really wanted to say was not as sorry as I am
1: and that feeling
0: yeah again it it's sort of a crossing a boundary I get angry that's my go-to defense yeah and I think that in grief particularly there's
1: so many feelings Mm. I mean like the waves coming in Yeah. I was going to
0: say, well, grief is a, its own jumble. Right. Of layer upon layer. Yeah. And shifting. I mean, I think it's, for me, it's less about the layers as it's more about the shifting. Like I can feel incredibly sad and then I can also feel, you know, angry and then I can have a nice memory and feel joy all within a 10 minute span, you know, like, That's just sort of how it rolls. Is it the way I would talk about it is rolling through those feelings rather than having them on top of each other. Mm, Uh, Right, right, right. But that's my experience. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, No, I think you're right. I
1: mean, I don't know. Can you feel two things at the exact same time? And often I feel like I do. I think I feel both happy and sad. Right. Pain and relief. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly when when Harrison went away, I felt yeah. enormous relief and pain. Right. It was grief and relief. Yeah. I mean, and it was love. A lot of them come from love and wanting what's best for someone else. And not knowing what that is, is the
0: truth. Right. I didn't know. I did the best I could. We Parents do do the best they could. Teenagers are particularly bad at talking about their feelings
1: because identifying them is hard for us
0: right I was going to say they haven't really learned this any skills I mean not that adults always have learned those skills but they're also in a place where their emotions are hormone driven and so maybe outsized or maybe new or you know maybe a lot of other things also going on
1: yeah and a lot of parents you know what we want our kids to be Happy. Yep. And it's an unrealistic expectation in addition to the fact that we have no idea what makes them happy. Right. And they're trying to figure that out. And then we get into the teen thing of wanting to belong. I mean, as parents, I know for me, it was like looking hard to make sure that they were happy all the time, which is completely a setup of denial. Right. There's so many studies recently that parents really do want their kids to be happy. And- There's a lot of other incoming data for kids. So parents will say they just want their children to be happy. And the parental bias, Mm -hmm. depending upon who the parent is, is different. And a lot of it these days, what the kids really believe, they need to make money. And a lot Mm. of it. Right. Like. That that's the road to happiness. That's success. That that's the underlying, like, you want me to be happy, and what that means is I have to do X, Y, Z, and I have to get money. And there's lots of evidence that no matter what it is, who you are, who your parents are,
0: that drive for money is just pervasive, pervasive. Well, we live in a capitalist society that is, in my humble opinion, running amok at the moment. Mm. Because the success is... Billions of dollars. Right. Thousands Mm -hmm. of millions. Right.
1: Of dollars. That's an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Whether that turns into...
0: Yeah, we can't all be Elon Musk. Right. And yet, Elon Musk has gotten there. So, in America, we think there's the ability for us to get there if we work hard. Right. Or you can be a rap star, make
1: millions. I mean, no matter who it is, where it is, it's that goal... And that notion of having enough, and their child being happy and feeling better, actually minimizes a child's—I want to call it a right. I was going to say God-given, but you know, I don't know what it's given by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it minimizes a child's right to understand and explore and have that range of feelings we were talking about Mm. that drive for happiness, whether, and, you know, I think our kids both are self-supporting. Yay for them. And, you know, not in fields where enormous wealth Wealth is, is, is the goal. One of them is an educator. So I really wish that we as a society would value that monetarily more because we value it so much but they're finding value they're discovering who they are and oh it's an awfully hard job yeah and then oh but it feeds me so much and and finding that balance and the other truth about this generation our kids generation and upcoming generations is they're not going to have one job at the elevator company right I don't well, know why uh, I picked
0: that amount of my hat. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, even our generation didn't have one job the same way our parents' generation did. Right. I mean, my father worked in two companies his entire life. One that he started in his twenties and was there till. Yeah. And I think,
1: yeah, <clears throat> different generations, different. And there is a slow shift to.
0: Yes. Who, who And here's the other truth. Who knows what it's going to end up being like for them? Yeah. Who knows what the
1: world is going to be like in 20 years? None of us. Who knows what it's going to be next year? This notion of having feelings and identifying them and understanding them. So I think one of the things that we hope to talk about today is sort of learning to master understanding, because if you don't understand your feelings, it becomes very hard to express them. Oh, virtually impossible. So when Harrison was and Allie were kids, it was like, I want everyone to be happy and comfortable and feel safe Mm -hmm. without expressing your feelings, right? which turned not so safe for anyone in our home. Yeah, truly. I mean, the feelings come out, they come out somehow.
0: Yeah, no, they definitely leak out sideways if you don't address them head on. Right.
1: So just simply asking our kids, how are you feeling? and we've talked about this before the high low thing
0: right trying to open the conversation up and not are you put in feeling because that just solicits a yes or no but how are you right how are you feeling and you know giving them if they if they can't come up with the word saying well maybe it's this or you know sort of you can guide them through it a little bit if you think you know you've got to give them the opportunity to say, no, it's something else. And also sometimes it's like, I sense that you're having some sort of feeling. Right. Or a hard time. Because that allows
1: them to be seen. Right. That you notice something is maybe a little, and then listening without thinking it's your job to bandaid it, to fix it at all. Yeah. Because especially as their brains are developing, as they are becoming adults, learning how to mend themselves and learning what other tools are out there what are their options and not saying you need to go to therapy
0: well or... you know and one of the things that i think is true about feelings certainly for me is if i can give them voice if i can talk about them then they lessen if i am mm-hmm. avoiding them then they build up yeah so it's it's like a dam and what i need to do is is open that up and so that's really what you want to help your kids do is talk through the feeling so that it doesn't get all dammed up. Yeah. And it's less important what the feeling is than it is to just allow them to talk about whatever's going on. Yeah. I was not good at that. I just wasn't that listening. Hmm.
1: I don't know if our kids are ever necessarily going to listen to this. But I wanna say right now that I'm getting better at it. Right. I sometimes still I'm like, oh, ooh.
0: Yeah. Well your your brain gets set off and it's hard for you to contain that. Yeah.
1: Well I want them to feel success.
0: Yeah. That was the last the last time. It
1: was like, you know, oh, you wanna do explore something else. And instead of just getting curious and sort of sitting back and listening, and asking more questions, which is, for the record, what I'd suggest parents do.
0: (laughs) Do as we say, not
1: as we do. Express awareness of
0: their behaviors as well, Mm -hmm. and curiosity. Yeah, because their behavior sometimes is the emotions coming out sideways, right? Right, and with Harrison, and Allie too, you know, we talk
1: so much about Harrison. Harrison is the quote unquote, identified, I don't want to say patient, but the child who sort of got us on this path. Yeah. And I think it's, I want to repeat again and again, and again, that all members of families are impacted by everyone's feelings.
0: Yeah. Harrison was brilliant in that he was able to express the feelings, (laughs) right? And that's what brought us, it wasn't, right, right. It wasn't that his feelings were more or worse necessarily. No, it just was he was actually letting us know that he was not happy in a myriad of ways that, and we he wouldn't were let us good it, for him,
1: right? And he wouldn't shut up about it, which was right. good in the end. Yeah, like his unwillingness to, you know, Ali in some ways is more like me. My father said to me once, and I was unaware of this, but it was at a particularly not with Harrison, but just a low point in life mm-hmm. due to circumstances we didn't cause. And my father said, you know, I always think you're going to be fine. That mm. was sort of my role within the family was right. he said, you know, you were that little those blow up toys that have sand in the bottom and look like little clowns and you punch them and they just bounce back up. Right. And, you know, you never deflate. You can't deflate right. if you're that role. Right. And that was my role was never deflate, never deflate, never deflate, which is sort of not human. It, that You know, those are toys. We, we play our roles and within families based on who we are, nothing, you know, who I was in my family doesn't necessarily reflect anything. My parents did, quote unquote, to me.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's the genetics and environment combined, right? So if you are, like me, more of an internal processor, right? You're more likely to become quiet, right? Or what is now called introverted. But that, you know, that's just that I'm more of an internal processor in some ways, right?
1: <laughs> it's Much not,
0: deep. Yeah, no, it's so it's not anything my parents did that that made me that way. Right. So when Harrison and Allie were growing
1: through those teen years, one of the things that I didn't do was say, how are you feeling? Right. Just in quiet moments, how are you feeling? And, and then if they shared something saying, is there anything you'd like me to do? Do you have any idea what might help you? Right.
0: Because what you're doing in that moment is giving them agency to work out their own stuff.
1: Right. And sometimes they can get through it, And if they say nothing, you know, here's the thing, moms and dads and parents and caregivers. You can say, okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. If I ever can, or if you're having those feelings again, you know, I'm here. Right. That's one of the greatest gifts we can give parents. And thank goodness. I think our kids know that sometimes just hugs. Would you like a hug? Mm -hmm. If you're someone who is comfortable hugging and not everyone is. And a parent told me the other day, that's just not my strength, Sarah. Right. It just and I'm like, yes, by all means don't offer a hug if you don't want to offer a hug. Right. Like I can do lots of things. So know your feelings and know that they're not right or wrong and your kids' feelings aren't right or wrong. And they don't always have to align. Right. Like how you're feeling, it's not our job as our children become adults to take care of them anymore. They can bandage their own finger. They can also take care of their own feelings. We are afraid, but that fear doesn't serve anyone.
0: Yeah, and it seems like that fear is often more about us, right? No, absolutely. You know, they feel bad, and we don't want to feel bad for them feeling bad, so we want them to feel better. <laughs> you know, we would, would care to say repeat all that again because I got confused somewhere. <laughs> well, they feel bad, and that makes us feel bad, and we don't want to feel that way, so we want them to feel better. It's. It's a, and then no one's allowed to feel anything. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's sort of a, if you're having a problem, then you can't show me that. Right. I'm not a safe person. Because if I see that I'm going to try to fix you or fix myself, you know, I'm going to go into a tizzy.
1: Right. And that's a reminder to me that really, when we're talking about building healthy, trusting relationships, Mm -hmm. the goal is to remember that they're not going to be teens in there, but what you really want are healthy, trusting relationships with your 30-year-old kid, your 40-year-old kid. Right. Like what you are building now, seeing them, being there for them is a lifelong role because life is going to keep coming. Right. Like the teen years, yeah, you get through those and then something else might happen.
0: Right. This is, Oh, something else will happen. This is a stage of growth. And what you're really, if you can keep your eye on the adult prize of having a relationship with them the throughout their lives. Win. Yeah.
1: The ongoing win. There's no prize because life is going to keep coming and hard things, relationships begin and end, all of them, with jobs, with other humans. There's no end of life until, you know, The end of life. (laughs) So that's, I think, an important thing to pause. Remembering what we do is we work with parents, building healthy, trusting relationships with their preteen, teen, and young adult children. If you can find the place of being comfortable with your own feelings during these years,
0: right, the
1: rest will be much easier. So much easier. And a lot of that is what gets a lot of conversation these days, which are I statements. Right. You got to do the I statement rather than you. Right. You got to straighten up and fly right. If you, but you, 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 you. And for you and I and the work that we do, it's really about I feel statements. Right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, and everything, anyone who identifies anyway, I feel statements
0: are where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to know how you feel and you have to be able to articulate that a little bit, but there's a nice little um, structure that we were given. That's really helpful in terms of focusing your thoughts around it. Yes. So and that you can say it out loud. We can do a mini, I feel statement right now so that people have an
1: idea of what it is and there will be a link to the plan P I feel statement which is based on the I feel statement that we learned when Harrison was in the wilderness so I want to own and honor and express great gratitude for that and here's the thing about where the rubber hits the road it takes learning to drive and this I feel statement takes time and practice and practice and time and I'm here to
0: say if you keep driving it the views
1: are magnificent
0: (laughs) Well, and uh, in that driving and driving thing, we practiced these in our heads. Like, oh my- so we didn't say them all the time necessarily, but whenever a feeling came up, I would try to go through the I feel structure just for myself as practice. Oh, my truth? Uh-huh. You do? do it do all it. the time.
1: <laughs> well, because it helps me remember. I got to start with I feel. I got to start with how I feel. Feel and right. acknowledging that and seeing that. So I feel statements go like this. I feel.
0: Insert feeling.
1: Right. I feel scared. I feel angry. I feel resentful. The other day I resented someone. I'm just going to own it. And I held on to it for a while. And it's really anger. Yeah. Right. So I feel anger. I feel this when. And then you insert a general time in general when you have this feeling, not. I feel this when you, Right. it's really important to keep it to me. So I feel this when people dismiss me and that could be the supermarket checkout person, right. not making eye contact. could be someone looking at their phone while I'm in conversation with them who would do that. <laughs> so, you know, I feel angry. I feel this when people don't look at you, don't look don't at m- me,
0: don't make eye contact right. is what I just heard. Right. I feel this because it makes you think you're, they're not paying attention. It makes you're me feel dis- yeah, dismissed. I don't matter.
1: Right. I'm not important. I right. layer on so much. And my hope for myself is that I can remember that I do matter and that person is living their life and how personally I want to take it is, is up is. to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my hope for my, for you, is that you can understand that you're not doing it to hurt me. So if I choose anger as the feeling, that's my choice. Mm. Like that's the thing about feelings. It it doesn't mean I throw it away because I get to honor that it's got lots of historical stuff and
0: I bring my own self pity to the party. Right. Yeah. And I was going to say and all of this, Uh, extra commentary is because we've done these for a while. We know how to separate some of those things out. I think when we started, I feel statements, it, it was a struggle to, I mean, it wasn't a struggle to come up with. I feel mad, but it was a struggle to go to figure out how to say this happens when, without saying when you, right. Right. No, it
1: takes practice. It takes a lot of practice.
0: So it's, I feel, I feel this when I feel this because my, my hope. hope for me and then my hope for you. Right. So it's got five, five parts.
1: And did we mention, we'll drop that in there. We'll send it in an email. Right. <laughs> All sorts of things, because this is that identifying how you feel and then being able to express it, to understand where it comes from. Right. Right and to honor yourself and then if you choose to because i can do the my hope for you is without you there right i mean i think i don't have to go run around telling everyone how i feel all the time because that makes them responsible for my feelings right and that's why the end is such a lovely my hope for myself my hope for you it's a gift to you you don't have to take care of it now it doesn't need taking care of because i can take care of myself
0: i can understand and identify my feelings
1: yeah and then they
0: can respond yeah and they don't have to
1: Not i mean that's all. the other
0: thing it's it in that way that it is a gift to share right you can't de- demand a response because if you're doing if you're demanding no, a no. response then you've gotten caught in that you're taking care of me yeah vortex again yeah and I think- which is a hard one to stay out of I think that you and I every once in a while, and I don't think
1: we've done it in a while, but I think that there have been times when I'm having feelings and I'm like, just like, can I do what I feel statement just to get it off my plate sort of, just to interact with you, let you know how I'm feeling and let you know that I'm working on it. Right. Because it's not your fault that I have this feeling and it's not your responsibility to take care of me.
0: Yeah. Even though it often feels that way because (laughs) I am who I am, right? I don't want you to feel... (laughs) Badly, And if there's something I'm doing that makes you feel something, then I, I want to change that behavior. And sometimes right. it's not really mine to change.
1: Right. And sometimes there there is conversation afterwards. And sometimes there's not. And a lot of times the other thing is there is information that I can process. My right. saying it or hearing it can allow me, oh, is that something I want to change? Well, I have a newfound awareness of it. Because I can ask you. We can have that conversation. right? And now, the looking at the phone, you know, I'll be like, what you doing? <laughs> that invites me in. And sometimes you're like doing something that I would like you to be doing. Right. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. But if I don't ask, if I get caught up in my self-righteous anger that you're ignoring me.
0: Yeah, well, you assume that whenever I look at my phone, I'm playing a game. <laughs> uh. Whereas I assume whenever you look at your phone, you're texting somebody else. (laughs) And you know what? It's true a lot of the time. (laughs) Both of those, there's truth
1: in both of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Our children, whatever their age, are not living in a terribly feeling-friendly world. No. They're living in a very outward-facing and presenting world. And yes there are plenty of opportunities out there to express their feelings, but they run the risk of being identified by one of those feelings for a long, long
0: time. Yeah. Especially true for adolescents. <clears throat> right. Cause they are busy pigeonholing themselves and other people.
1: Right. So if they're crying one day and they're like, Oh, that person could be pigeonholed as that. And the next day, life could be different. Life could be different. So if you are a parent, remember that as much as you can help your children remember that these things change constantly. Mm -hmm. And if they feel like they're being stuck in one identified feeling, and this is the thing about therapy and all those things, which are good, but that might not be the solution for every kid all the time. Who's having a feeling, right? None of them want to be known forever for feeling confused enough in this world that they've made a decision based on one feeling. And now that feeling's passed, but it's forever on their post or their page or, you know, every parent's mind, every teacher's mind. Right. So, you know, we get through feelings. And the more that we can help other humans in our
0: life. Well, and the more that we can talk about them, the more that we get through them. Right. That's that damn thing that I was talking about. Right. Talking about them really is is the way through. Right. And we can't model
1: understanding. Yeah. If we don't yeah. understand ourselves, right. our own
0: feelings. Yeah. No. And being able to talk about feelings is an incredible model and permission structure for them to go through theirs. Right. Feeling your feelings and feeling safe, feeling your feelings
1: with another human. Mm-hmm. Two different things. Right. Yeah. And being a parent who can hear feeling your child's feelings, hear your own feelings. I think that's an enormous gift. Yeah, I would agree. So this week's practice is practice
0: identifying how you are feeling and go to our site and get the structure for an, I feel statement and practice those in your head or with another person, but you can start just in your head. How do I feel? What happened that makes me feel this way? Yeah, no, I
1: had someone the other day I gave it to, and she's like, Oh my God, I'm printing this out and I'm <laughs> leaving it in as many places as I possibly can because she's her feelings are so big, right? And she's like, They're not based in reality, even, but I'm I mean, it's our kid, right?
0: So it has that added, oh, that we're connected. In a different way. You know, we want to protect them. We want to make these things better. We want to save them from feeling any bad feelings. That's part of the, I think, probably genetic code is to try to protect our children. Right. Right. And protecting them from feelings is a part of that. So, of course, we want to do that, even though it's not actually helpful to do that with feelings. Right. Because it tells them they can't handle them. Yeah. And how do you handle life without feelings? So practice, I feel statements. And remember, change takes time. And patience. And practice. Practice.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time
0: time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok, at is 4
1: If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, Please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online.
0: All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.